something that should resonate in every one of our hearts this morning. If God is in your heart, you can't wait for the doors to open and get in there and fellowship. So it so happens we don't all go through the same doors, but I think there ought to be something in us this morning that wants to fellowship, that wants to hear from God and wants to have communion with Him. Amen. Last night the wind came through and uh, it it, uh, knocked our doors open a little bit, did some different things and and such, and uh, I just thought, well, may the wind of the Holy Spirit sweep, sweep through wherever we are, stir us. God bless you all this morning. We welcome you. Welcome you that are here. Welcome you that are listening. Welcome everyone. And I made a point. We've been showing some pictures of some families and doing some things, but I also welcome you. So Brother Dan Koenig and Sister Liz Stewart and different ones, Sister Patrick, Brother Bob Combe. I think of different ones at different times. We see some of your pictures. The Steves, I was thinking of them, Brother Len Hildebrandt, Sister Marianne, Sister Bethia. God bless you all, wherever you are. If I didn't mention you today, I'll mention you some other day. But we appreciate you. We love you all. And uh, we just pray God be with you. Amen. I just wanted to mention Brother Andrew prayed this morning. And uh, in his prayer, he mentioned Sister Karen Pruitt. Uh, some of you may be aware, but Brother Tim Pruitt's wife is Sister Karen. She suffered a, a brain bleed a couple of years back, and it reoccurred this week, and she was rushed to the hospital, and we all began to pray, and uh, by the grace of God, she's doing really well. Brother Tim just sent me a little update this morning. He said, God is moving. God bless you, brothers. So appreciate your prayers. We believe the angel of the Lord is passing by. I just talked to Karen on the phone. He's not able to see her because of the restrictions. They decided not to do another CT scan as they were satisfied. She is not having any pain, no more headaches, and her eyesight improves. They're told they may move her out of ICU into a regular room. And he says, I'm hoping they will dismiss her today. So we're thankful for that. We're thankful for the good report of Brother Jewel Forney. And spoke to Brother Ron Spencer. Let's continue to uphold him. We believe that God's going to move. Amen. You know, uh, I, I, somebody sent me a little clip through the week, and, and they showed the thing. You know, God allowed the Hebrew children to go right into that fire. He didn't move his hand one iota, but when he moved, he moved. <laughs> so that's the God that we believe in, that we trust in. Amen. It's just good, good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. I also bring you greetings from Brother Harold. We were able to be together. He's doing well. And so, and we, we just remember them as well. We also have been trying to be innovative with our youth and young people, connecting them. And uh, as it looks like this may continue a while, but we're going to do all we can to press on. Amen. Let's just sing one more chorus before uh, we change the order. And uh, I, I'd maybe just to change this a little bit, uh, if, if I can. Um, you are the words to the music. You are the melody. You are the song. I believe that song ought to resonate in us wherever we are. So let's just uh, sing this as we change the order this morning. 
this morning and we just bow for a word of prayer already offered prayer but now just one more time we invite the Holy Spirit to take this part of the service Heavenly Father we stand together maybe apart geographically but we stand together Lord in heavenly places we're united in our heart by something that beats something that no separation can take away from us Lord, our hearts beat together for you, Lord. You are the center of everything. You are our all in all. Lord, we love you. We appreciate you. We are so thankful for communion that we can have with you, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Father, we're here this morning, and you know where every one of us are, Lord. You know what our fears are. You know what our anxieties are. You know our situations. You know where the enemy would try to beset us. But Lord, you said you've come to give us life, to give us peace. You've come, O oh Lord, to, to comfort your people. You are the comforter. And I pray this morning, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would be able to speak to us. Lord, we may have heard many other voices speak to us this week. We may have heard the voice of the enemy, but Lord, it's not like the voice of the shepherd. The voice of the shepherd is a different voice. And Lord, when you speak, whether it's a rebuke, whether it's correction, whether it's direction, Lord, it's always comforting to us. And we're asking this morning that you would speak. Lord, I, I pray and I set myself aside. We also set aside our thoughts. We zero in, we focus on you now, and we're asking you to take this service. Lord, not one of us can help one another. Without you, we're nothing. 
We're so dependent on you. Would you come this morning, wherever we're gathered, we commit ourselves to you. Bless the word as it's read now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Brother Marion. Thank you, musicians. Let's turn in the Bible to the book of John, chapter 1. been reading out of the book of John the last couple services. I uh, was um, just sharing with the brothers on Wednesday. just felt like the enemy just gave a real attack after this service, and I was up much of the night, but I recognize it was the enemy, and, uh, and, uh, but God is so good. God is so good. We're going to read John chapter 1. We're going to pick up, this is a scripture we read last Sunday, and I'm really going to do a little bit of a follow-through, perhaps in a different way. You know, sometimes you think the minister knows where he's going and what he's saying and how it's going to be there. You know, we're just, Jesus said, you know, I was thinking of the wind. Just everyone that's born of the Spirit is like the wind. You don't know where you came from. You don't know where you're going, but you're following the wind. And that's what I'm doing this morning. So, uh, you know, you might think I got it all together and I, I won't get this part complete. God's in control. And I'm going to let him speak what he wants to speak. And I want to be yielded and you be yielded. Maybe it's not what you wanted to hear. Maybe it is what you needed to hear. But let's let God be God. Amen. John chapter 1, verse 35. This will be uh, a service that will follow up the thought last week of where does he dwell. We're going to start it in, in verse 35. And again, the next day after John stood and two of his disciples and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus and Jesus turned and saw them following and he said unto them, What seek ye? And they said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? And he said unto them, Come and see. And they dwelt, and that they came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. God bless you. you may have your seats. Keep your Bibles open to that. Uh, this, this will follow through. Last week we touched also on verses 40 to 42 where after they heard him speak, they saw where he was, they became convinced, they became concerned, and then they, uh, one of the two uh, found Simon Peter, and they brought him to, to Jesus, and Jesus said, you're Simon, uh, not Peter, you're not Peter and, and you'll be called Cephas, uh, sorry, you'll be called Peter, which is Cephas, interpretation of stone. Now, verse 43, if I can pick that up. This will be, we didn't touch on this part, but I'll follow this through. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee, and he, and he findeth Philip, and he said unto him, follow me. And now Philip was of Bethsaida. Now Bethsaida was where the, the pool was. The city of Andrew and Peter, Philip findeth Nathanael and said unto him, we have found him of whom Moses said in the law, of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, so, you know, we, we found him, we've, we've come out of this place uh, from Nazareth, and, and, and he answers, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip said unto him again, come and see. Sometimes we hear so many things, we block our minds, come and see. Taste and see that the Lord is good. 
And Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no guile. Now that's not just looking at his clothes. That's, that's discerning something. And Nathanael caught this and he said, When knowest thou me? And he said, Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered. Now, I'll tell you what. That turned him around real quick. Because his next words are, Nathanael answered said, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. And Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than this. Oh, hasn't it been wonderful in this age? I, and I, I trust it's not common what God has done in this age. It hasn't been done in 2,000 years since the time of Jesus. But this same Christ has come and showed that he's discerning still where we are today. He showed it through a gift of a prophet, but he also shows it through the word. Now let's just finish this. In, in You'll see greater things, verse 51. And he said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Now, I may not fully get to that part either, but that, that's where all of this led to in, in this whole part. So there was what happened in terms of the recorded events but there was also to be a further happening in the life of Peter, in the life of Nathaniel, in the lives of these people. And Jesus referred to it as an ascending and a descending. Now, I'm going to really just put a pause on everything right there. And I'm going to go back a little bit. And I don't know if you're, you're like me, but I, I'll tell you when I hear a little bit of the news, and I look at a little bit of the world, and I see the things that are going on, it causes me to just want to find God and seek God, and, and I, I've just, by the grace of God, I've really, years ago, Brother Harold gave a number of the ministers some of these, these, these books, and I've been going back into them, and studying them, and reading them, and, and uh, I've I, I just been a blessing, and I I don't know if you're that way, but I, I look at it, and I'll tell you what, when I start to see the things going on in the world, and I see where we're at, friends, modern events are only made clear by prophecy. And when we look and we see God foreknew it, that gives me a great comfort. And when God knew where we would be going, where the world would be going, I think we can, we can rest assured He's got it in control. And we need to reassure our hearts with that this morning. So let's go back to the book of Daniel chapter 12. Daniel chapter 12. This is a, a, a very a scripture we refer to. I'll refer to a couple scriptures here. But in verse 1 it says, At that time, now at that and at that time, shall Michael stand up, the great prince, which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble and and such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time 
I don't know if I can ever recall any recorded event in history of where we're at now, that's a time of trouble like there is right now. There is not a nation on the earth that is not affected by what's going on right now. And it's, it's not in a good way necessarily for the nations of the world, the economies of the world, the people of the world. It's a time of trouble. And it says, and now Daniel's prophesying here, he's saying it, and at that time, at that time, thy people shall be delivered. Now, now the time of trouble, but at that time, your people will be delivered. Everyone that shall be found written in the book. You ought to say a big amen wherever you're at. Thank God it's here. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine, shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Now, I, I, we, maybe I'll read verse 4 yet. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the word, seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. I won't read this verbatim, but Daniel's asking then, how long will these things be? And, and in verse 7, he's been told that um, these things shall be for a time and times and a half, and when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. So the, the desire of the enemy is to scatter the power of the people. The enemy knows that your lifeline is to be connected with God, to be connected and, and maybe it's not in a church in the same way, but I'm thankful we're connected. And if he can see that we ever get out of fellowship or out of prayer, then he comes after us quickly. So it behooves us to stay connected. And, and, and so Daniel's just sharing this. I'm going to just jump back over to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 60. And Isaiah chapter 60, this is in verses 1 to 3. Very familiar Brother Branham would actually speak this for the message Shalom. And in Shalom, uh, he would talk about, you know, Shalom meaning peace. And this is a scripture he used, he used, arise, shine. So Daniel used the same words. Arise, shine, he says, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. Who? Those that are hearing, those that are seeing, there's a glory upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people, but the Lord shall arise upon thee. And he says, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. So there's a glory that is upon us today, and maybe we don't even recognize it. I'll tell you, I'm, I'm so grateful that we can still have fellowship. I'm, we're connected in many different ways through uh, Brother Andrew, and I, I just want to say, appreciate Brother Andrew and what he's doing with the youth, and, and also Brother Max and Brother John Perizok. And happy birthday to Brother John Perizok yesterday. But we want to we just... Say thank you to these brothers because 
there's a desire to stay connected, and I, and I appreciate that, but they're using technology where everybody can stream from their home, they can do different things, and, and, and it's wonderful that they do that, and there's that desire, so I appreciate it. I, I, would, I would say there, there's, there's a light that, that we have available to us. Now, in, in, in this scripture in Isaiah, there's a real contrast here. Darkness will cover the earth, and, and it is a time of darkness, and gross darkness the people. But at that same time, the Lord will arise. So associated with Daniel and the time of trouble, there be also deliverance and a light amongst the people of God. And we're really seeing these two things come to fold. I'm, I want to read this. Brother Branham would talk, and this is in 1957, God Keeps His Word. And, and he's talking about how the future that's coming, he says, what would I hold to today? Where would I go? Where are you going? What would I do? What would happen to me today if it wasn't for Christ? Where would my hopes be anchored? Now listen to his statements. I would be a maniac when I see what's fixing to happen, and I know that was all of it forever. Oh my, what would I do? You know, everybody's just waiting when everything will return to normal and we'll just go on. Things will not return to normal. There is no more normal. They always call it the new normal. I'll tell you what, the, as far as the world's concerned, it will keep getting worse and worse and worse. There is no new normal. There's, there is no hiding place outside of Christ. And Brother Bram says, why would I want to stay here? Why would I put my hopes on this? He says, what would I be looking forward to? And he says, I would be a maniac if I see what's fixing to happen. But I'm so glad. Now listen to his words. I'm so glad it's just the dawning of a day. <laughs> How many knows that it gets darkest just before daybreak? What is it? It's the oncoming light that's driving it. So sometimes we can take our focus and say, oh, the, the darkness is so dark. God help us. But really, the reason the earth is groaning is because the sons of God are coming into manifestation. The reason it's so dark is the oncoming light is pressing it. So if we can just turn that a little bit this morning. I'm, I'm, I'm just taking this on the heels of Wednesday where... God does nothing without man as his agent. God's depending on you and me to fulfill God's desire on earth today. I, I want to be a part of the program of God. Now he'll say, he'll, he says this also. He says, oh, it's the dawning of a day. Now he's referring to where we're at right now. I, 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 there's been a few times we've just sat around the table and we're saying, this is almost like, a dream around us, like everything that's going on. It is a dream. Brother Brown says, we're just in a dream. We're fixing to wake up. Oh, what a nightmare as it was. What a nightmare. And he, he uses these words, to come into a springtime of everlasting youth, everlasting health, everlasting joy, everlasting peace. Isn't it wonderful? I like how he puts it, springtime. The nightmare of winter is over. We were doing yard work yesterday. The nightmare is over. No more snow. Oh, 
And there, there ought to be hallelujahs bouncing around all over the place. The nightmare's over. It's the time of the singing of the birds. The winter is past. Hallelujah. We appreciate it more here than other places do, but thank God for it. Amen. So Brother Branham would talk, and he's, he's, he's referring to this context, this present day as a nightmare, as a dream. It's not a reality, even though we've grown up in it. But the seed that's coming as it's being pulled into the presence of God begins to see an uncomfortable, feel an uncomfortableness, begins to see this is not our home. There is a place we're going to. There is a dwelling place that God has for us. Now in, in the message Souls that are in prison, and I'm just taking two or three quotes. I could take so many of these. But he would say, and he's really talking about the two directions that everything is going. He said, I've seen a vision of both places, heaven and hell, he says. Now, and I said, I've seen the redeemed, the blessed, and I've seen the lost and where they are at. And I stand today as your brother to warn you, flee from that downward path. Don't go down that road. You've got everything to live for. There's a blessing upward where the redeemed are in joy and peace and they can't sin. Oh, he said, it is perfect. And then I've seen the other place. He says, where a person entering that region. Uh, These statements are, are, if we can take them for what they are. You know, sometimes we read these things, but it really would do you good to hear the prophet as his voice is, there, there, there is something he's experienced, and it's coming out in his voice. And he says, far be it from any person to ever enter the regions of the lost. If you were standing with hot wires bored through you, tormented in every way, it would not be like the devil torment there is in that place. Now, hot wires bored through you, he said, it doesn't even compare to that place. I, I, I'll say, if, if, if there's a question in your heart, you don't know which path you're on, I'll say, come, come and see. He's here. It's glory. It'll get better and better. You, you won't just be discerned. You won't just have a blessing here, but you'll begin to be pulled and ascending, and God will come down, and you'll go up, and he'll come down, angels descending upon us. He says the human mind can't comprehend it. Okay, I, I could spend time on this. I, I don't want to. Go back with me to Daniel chapter 7 for a moment. And just to help fix these two places a little bit. Daniel chapter 7. You know, I've been, I've been reading the book of Daniel. And, and uh, I, I've thought about the time Daniel was in. Daniel was one of those that was in captivity in Babylon. And he was there by the will of God. He was in captivity. And I've thought, you know, we're in captivity today by the will of God. You know, it, the, not, you know, God's allowed it for the nations. He's allowed it for this. Listen, let me just slow down and stop for a moment. Daniel went in there. God allowed it, permitted it to punish Israel for their sins. And, and Daniel recognized it. And he knew it would be 70 years And yet, as Daniel, and let me just drop this in. And yet, Daniel, in the midst of this time, there was also seasons that his faith was tested in that captivity. He didn't just say, I'm I'm, I'm there, I'm no, you know, this is what it is until we get back, there's no sense living. He lived for God. And we need to live for God right now. 
We need to not just react. We need to proact and say, I've got to do something while this is happening. And Daniel, at certain seasons, what God allowed became a pressure against him. I'm, I'm watching things that are happening, that, that they're putting in place, tracking systems for people, for the good of, of, of watching what the COVID is. Those things are fine. But watch if they don't get turned one day to begin a move against us. Those that are the Christians, the real, the real heart of God. Because there's two forces at work. The enemy and there's God at work. And I'm saying Daniel's faith was tested. You know, people saw that Daniel had the favor of the king. He, he, he was that. And, and they had him thrown in the lion's den. But God stood for him. The Hebrew children had the same thing. So Daniel, even though he was there, his faith had to be on display. Our faith needs to be on display. Our faith with God. I, I'm going to serve God no matter what. Now, I'm going to be open. I'm going to be transparent. Whatever anybody says to do, we're doing it. We're doing it with all that we know how to do as best as we can. But I also need to allow my faith to step out and say, while I'm here. You know, I, I, I shared with, with some people this last week, and, and I just said, if we've been given this time why wouldn't I take advantage of it to do this? Listen to them, put my headphones on, walk in the yard and do some yard work and listen to a message and do some. I, I want to take every opportunity. I want to serve God like Daniel served God. I, I want to be that kind of a Christian. And I think we need to be proactive. And I think maybe God's allowed these things to happen this way. I, I, I traveled years ago uh, to... My, our family traveled to Arizona. We went to Tucson. We stayed with a brother there, and uh, we went up to Sabino Canyon. Sabino Canyon were many highlights of the prophet, and God met him, and it, beca it's beca it became a real gathering place for believers around the message to go back and see this is where this happened, this is where that happened, this. And, and it began to be tours, and it began to be this, and, 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 and everything. And, and then it was just, maybe this is about seven or eight years ago, maybe just before we came that year before, they had rain, and, and in the desert, they have rain quickly, but they had four days of solid drip, 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 drip rain. At the end of those four days, they had a downpour, and what it did, it loosened all the rock that was in Sabino Canyon, washed down, and a lot of the places that were readily accessible were, were no more. And, and a brother said it was, it was like a one in 100 year storm. And he said it was almost like God had, had said, okay, that was all good, but you need to focus a little further than just visiting the artifacts of the prophet. And, and God permitted that to happen so that we get our eyes on something. And, you know, I, I've, I've just reflected. This is not thus saith the Lord. This is just me asking because I always ask, Lord, what are you doing? And it's almost like, okay, we can't have the meetings we went to. We can't have the conventions, the gathering. We can't have all of those things. But maybe God wants a face-to-face -face with us. Maybe he wants us to get into a place where say, Lord, you speak to me. Lord, it's the ministry. Yes, we still attend church. We stream church. But Lord, it's deeper than that now. I, I, I'm just saying, maybe that's God doing that. And at the same time, I don't want to just stay there. I still want to say, Lord, you can change the rules. You can wipe out this disease. That's the power of God that's in the people of God today. I'm going to get ahead of myself. Daniel chapter 7. 
This is Daniel. He sees, you know, and again, I'm taking Daniel as a, as a bit of a type, but verse 19. Daniel, earlier in this chapter, he'd seen four terrible beasts that would come on the earth and how, how it would be, and then the fourth beast was the most diverse. And he says, I would know the truth of the fourth beast, which is diverse from all the others, exceedingly dreadful, teeth of iron, nails of brass, which devoured, break in pieces, stamped the residue with his feet. Talks about ten horns. Verse 21. I beheld in the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them. So you talk about the enemy having his way. He's really trying. Until the ancient of days came and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High. Now I, 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 I want you to take what we took at Easter our journey here is not just, oh, that I can climb into heaven and get there. Uh, there's a part of us that's got to be fulfilled over there. There's a part of what's happening right now, our character that's being molded. Because we're going to sit on the throne judging. The only thing that's going to judge is the character God is giving us right now. And, and character is not just an anointing, and, but it's, it's something that permeates our being and becomes who we are. No, I, I just appreciate how you, you witnessed the prophet as he rose in Revelation. There was a character that went with it. And there's a character that needs to go with what we're receiving in this day. So he says, until the saints possess the kingdom. And he talks about how this fourth kingdom in verse 23 and 24 would, would try to break the, all the kingdoms of the earth and tread it into pieces. Verse 25. And he shall speak great words against the Most High. And he shall wear out the saints of the Most High and think to change times and laws. Now, you ask yourself, what's happening? I said, we're, we're, it isn't maybe a full religious persecution yet because churches aren't the only ones shut down. Bars are shut down. Restaurants are shut down. But as they open up, I'll just say, things are happening that are conditioning people. And it says, think to change times and laws, and it shall be given to them until a time and times and the dividing of time. And, 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 and then it would again refer to the judgment shall sit, they shall take away his dominion, verse 27, and the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. That's what's coming into place right now. Doesn't look like it right now, but I'll just say this. Stay steady. Stay in what God has given us. As the world around us crumbles, God's kingdom is ushering forward. And it's ushering in us. If I can say it that way. Take, take this and go down to verse, back to chapter, verse 11 rather. Verse 11. Actually, sorry, Brother Mark, go back to verse 9. And I beheld till all the thrones were cast down. The ancient of days did come whose garment was white as snow and the hair of his head was like a pure wool, his throne like a fiery flame and his wheels as a burning fire. So, you know, Daniel had seen these four kingdoms and then he says, here's God's kingdom. Now look at, look at verse 10. Now associated with God's kingdom in all of these things is a group of people, the saints of the Most High. And a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousand thousands ministered unto him. 
and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him, and the judgment was set, and the books were opened. So if you look, thousands, thousands ministered to him. So there's a group of people that had a closeness. Then there's another group, 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. So there's a group of people that had a closer intimacy, and there's a group of people that were maybe a little further away. Because the books were opened, and if you read this in Revelations, and a book. So, so the books were opened. The book, the Lamb's book of life is one thing. And then another book is the book of life. I, 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 you know, it's hard for me to judge. Listen, I'll try and slow down. Let me bottle it up this way. The book of life is your first nature. That's your first birth. That's the book of life. It's a record of all of those deeds. The Lamb's book of life is when your first was transferred over under a new nature, and under that book there's, there is forgiveness. There's a change of heart. There is sanctification. There's justification. There's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's the book that we want to be found under. We're, we're, there's going to be a part of us that the world sees, the natural part of Ed Hammermeister, of, uh, uh, of, of different ones under your name. There's a natural part they see, but there's a part that God sees, and it started with a little germ seed, but it's growing greater and greater. So there's, a, there's something that's here that, that we need to identify with. I, I'm going to stop at that point here. Let me go to the book of Psalms. Psalms chapter 61, I'm, I'm really, you might wonder where I'm going. I said, it's just like the wind. Came from somewhere, going somewhere, we'll see where it ends up, okay? Are you ready with that? Some smiles I can see, some that I can't see. Okay, this is in Psalms chapter 61. David is speaking. You might think the Psalms, oh, it's just like some poetic words. Out of those poetic words, Jesus took faith that he would rise from the dead. Okay, so this is David in Psalm 61. Hear my cry, O God, untend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings. So we're talking about where does he dwell? Well, he, he dwells on the earth today, but that's associated with a group of people. The Holy Spirit doesn't just dwell in buildings, but it, it comes to individuals. Brother Andrew, it was exactly how you prayed this morning. God's coming to his tabernacle. His tabernacle is his people. That's where the Holy Ghost, the dove, associates with a lamb-like nature. The two harmonize together. Now let's just jump over to verse six, chapter 62, Psalm 62. This is actually also what Brother Branham read in the message Shalom. Truly my soul waiteth on God, from him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. When everything's happening, my heart is fixed. I'm anchored. I've anchored in Jesus. 
Drop down to verse 5. My soul, wait thou only on God, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. And, and, and this is the exact, up to verse 8, is what Brother Branham read in Shalom. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. He's a refuge today. Now, I, if I can also, because I've, I've I just used these scriptures, but I, I, I shared the quote of where Brother Branham talked about uh, the nightmare that we currently are under, the the place that we are. But I, I need to I need to also bring this to where he talks about. Uh, well, I, I'm, I'm going to. I, I was picking this up out of the message Satan's Eden, and Brother Branham would talk that that we're being pulled to something, and he talks about the deceitfulness of the enemy, and and all of these things. But but in there, he, he starts the whole message from the beginning, and he says, and he paints a picture of the first Eden, not Satan's Eden. He says, now think about it: the great paradises of God. The great dinosaurs, whatever more, was crawling through it. And the great animals, no harm in them. They were just as gentle as a little kitten. They had nothing at all. Now, in contrast to what we have around us, here, here's what we're going back to. Because the threefold purpose of God was to display himself in Christ, then to gain the preeminence in a people and to bring us back to this Eden. Now, now listen to how he describes it. He says, just think about it. No sickness, no sorrow, not one disease germ on earth. Hallelujah. <laughs> not one disease germ on earth. Hallelujah. He says, oh, what a place. The great birds swinging from tree to tree. Adam could call them by name. And they would fly up onto his shoulders and coo to him. I'll tell you what. Forget about petting zoos. This was the ultimate petting zoo. This is where they would just listen to him and come to him. He says, oh, what a wonderful place God had. Why wouldn't you want to go back to that? Yes, this world is a nightmare. Yes, this is not a place I want to stay. I, I want to dwell with him. So he, he, he brings this picture, and then he immediately jumps into this thought in, in this. He says, now, the attributes from his own body, God has attributes. And he talks about how we're attributes. And he says, the Father longed to know you, you had a union connection with mother and you were made known to father. That's the way God was in the beginning. Every son and daughter of God was in him at the beginning. You don't remember it, but you were there. And he wanted you to become so that he could contact you and speak with you and love you and shake your hands. And he says, God knew we would be here but he put us in the flesh to be contacted. And he said, 
He became one of us when he became Christ, Son of God, the fullness of God, to display his attributes in fellowship. I, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm, I'm reading a little bit much here. Now, I knew nothing about it when I became his son and was born. Of, I was an attribute, a part of my father, and you're a part of your father. Okay. Now, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to bring this to where I'm, I want to really take it to where God connects with us in, in our world, in our level today. I'm going to jump over to John chapter 5. And I apologize if this feels a little broken up, but I'm, Lord willing, I'm going to try and slip into a channel here. John chapter 5, this is what we read on Wednesday, and I'm going to just pick it up from verse 17. And he says, Jesus answered them and said, My Father worketh hitherto, and I work. Now therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he'd not only broken the Sabbath, but he said also that God was his Father, making himself equal with God. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth his Son likewise." For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth, and he will show him greater works than these, that you may marvel. So, no, notice the language here. This is God in flesh, but he's speaking how in his flesh he's subject to a greater, the eternal spirit of God is condescended down to here, but he's co-equal in this flesh with the Father, he calls it. Okay? Now, there's a language here. I, I, I need to just really take this, and Brother Branham would speak in, pick up your pen and write. Notice the harmony of the Father and the Son. Jesus never did anything until it was first showed him by the Father, John 5, verse 19. We just read it. He never did anything until God showed him. Now, He's, he says, no, that's tremendous. We, we think that's, that's wonderful. Now look at the next statement. This harmony is now to exist between the groom and the bride. This same kind of a relationship. When, when you can walk with God. Oh, friends, I, I, this last week and just some of these prayer requests were coming and I was in prayer and I was burdened about some things and, and, and here's God beginning to... to, to, to you know, I hear this, I share this, and, 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 and I'm praying for something. And, and yet, I, I, I felt the need to just bring, bring the situation with Sister Karen Pruitt before the Lord. And then I was going to immediately text somebody for, for a connection I had to make. Before I could ever get to it, that man called me. And it was, like, to me it was like, God knows exactly where I'm at. He knows exactly where Sister Karen's at. He knows exactly. There's a harmony with God and his people if we can find that channel. And I believe it's there for us. And God's desiring to bring us into it. Are, are, are you with me? I'm, I'm waiting for the vibrations to come through. Yes, they're coming. Okay, good. So he said, notice the harmony. He shows her his word of life. She receives it. She never doubts it. Therefore, nothing can harm her, not even death. Here's the secret. The word is in the bride, 
as it was in Mary. Now Mary, who, you know, I, I, I've thought, there's these great forces at work in the earth today. You know, there's, there's great political forces, and there's, there, 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 there's, there's all kinds of constrictions, and, and, it's, and it's moving people in a way they never thought. Great forces, but there's another force. National force put Israel where they are. National force is putting the, the denominations where they, into the World Council of Churches. But there's another force on earth today. It's God in his people. There's a greater force than all of these things. And I think we need to recognize God's not, when he's not out there, he's right here. He's waiting on us to call on him. We sometimes sit back and we sometimes look and say, oh God, you need to come. When he's looking at us and say, you need to do something about this. You need to stand up and say the word sometimes. I, I, I had about, I don't know how many quotes on God waiting on us. We paralyze the program of God when, when we, we fail to act on that little, if I can say, impulse, that reality of God, we, we, we grieve the Holy Spirit sometimes. How many could say, you've grieved the Holy Spirit? I'm raising my hand. I, I can raise two hands. There's times I believe God asked me to do something, to step out, and I let my own natural busyness of life step in the way. And there's other times that I've done things to grieve the one that lives in me. And I feel like Brother Adam would make the statement, he says, Lord, let me live so close to you till the least bit of grieving I would know it. I, 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 I believe there's a harmony that God's desiring even at this season and at this hour that, that predates everything that's out there. Your light has come. Yes, there's trouble all around. Yes, there's forces at work. Yes, it's forced us to do this. But it cannot stop the force of God and man. It cannot stop the force of God bringing a headstone into place. Of God harmonizing with his people. You cannot stop that. Those in the bride do only his will. No one can make them do otherwise. They have thus saith the Lord, or they keep still. Now, I, I thought of different scriptures, and I, I won't turn to them because I've turned to enough already here this morning. But there was great forces at play when Elijah was on earth. Elijah, in 1 Kings 17 he comes out with, thus saith the Lord. He stomps up before Ahab's throne. There'll be no rain. There'll be a famine. They'll do this and this. And he stomps out. And they all said, where did he go from? Where did he go? Was there a famine? There was a famine. What was the force at play? The force at play was the word of God through a prophet. And it was still the same today. When the prophet said, you wait. You think you're hungering for a revival? Wait for a while. And he talks about the things coming onto earth. Listen, I'm going to share this right out of the message. We've been, we've been, a few brothers, we've been looking at this. Brother Bannon would talk about this in the message, and knoweth it not. And he would say, talking about how men and women are going insane. He said how they dress, how the women dress. There used to be a time they dressed. If it was wrong, then it's wrong today. 
But the people has grown into insanity. Let me prophesy just before it comes. The whole world is groping in insanity. It will get worse and worse until there'll be a bunch of maniacs. That's what's happening. I'll tell you what, there is no soundness of mind. The soundness of mind is in Christ. The reality is in God when he's in your people, when you have fellowship with him. That's the great move of God. He would go on to say, and I, I, had, I had different places I could read here, but I, I, I'm just going to pick this up. Let's read one more here. He said, you know, the things we're eating, the natural body, corrupting the physical being, the brain cells, watch the spirit, follow this. There'll come a time in the name of the Lord, people will go completely insane. And now the insanity is, is not in their flesh realm See, this whole thing, you know, we're, we're being protected for the sake of our flesh. But I'll tell you what it's doing. It's driving people insane in their minds. That's what it's doing. And it says, the way, you know, he goes on to talk about different aspects of this. There's, there's other things I could read about all of this. But at the end of this message, Brother Branham would just say these words to us. And he says, now watch, brother, sister. He says, the mental faculties and reasons of man is broke down. There's no more hope. The whole thing is a putrefied sore. The mental faculties of man, they can't make decisions. Hey, listen to some of our leaders answer questions. They can't answer questions. That's the truth. They'll, they'll, they'll have a great oratory for four minutes and still never answer your question. I, I'm not going to name names here. Listen, he says... He said, here, here it is. Okay, so said, stay close to Christ. Don't take any foolishness. Don't imagine anything. You know, our imagination can run wild to a worst case scenario. Don't imagine things. Stay prayed up. He says, stay right there until the inside of the inside is anchored to Christ. We're in the most deceiving age we've ever lived in. It'll be deceive the elected if possible because they have an anointing. They can do anything like the rest of them. And he talks about, oh, where's men that stand for principle? Now, you, you want to read that message. Maybe that's, read that one and read the next one after where Brother Manum talks about God revealed in his own word. He actually is a continuity of thought. And, and he takes... He takes this in the negative, but he jumps into the next. He leaves the message. He says, I'm going to go and pray this next week. And he comes back praying. He rehearses some of the same statements. And then he talks about God revealed in his word. And how the prophets didn't even know what they were doing sometimes. But they were subject unto God. He says, they were moved by the Holy Ghost. He, he, and and you, you want to take that and follow it through. It's tremendous. Now look at Elijah. Elijah prophesied. The, the, that the nation would have a famine, and there was a famine. And, and Elijah went up to a brook called Cherith, uh, Cherith and, and, and as he went to that Cherith, he, he, he was there. The ravens fed him. The water from the brook took him. But after a while, even as the result of his own prophecy, the brook dried up. The ravens had no more food. There was nothing left anymore. 
We're coming to the same place. What did God do then? He had to have a place where the omnipotence of God could be made manifest again. And he sent them down to a widow woman. A widow is a type of a woman that had a, or a woman is a type of a church that had a husband, but no longer had one. And he sent her down to her, and he said, I have commanded her. And this woman didn't even know a thing about the command. She was getting ready to die. But here comes the prophet. Here comes the woman. The two connect together. And the omnipotent happened. That same God exists today. Where did it happen? It happened in the walls of her home. It wasn't on a big stage. It wasn't even where the schools of the prophets were. It happened in her home. Now, I'm just making a principle because we might think, oh, I gotta be in church, I gotta be at this meeting. This God that we have served is our God right now greater than ever. He is not far off somewhere. Now, if you wanna follow that through under Elisha, there was a Shumanite woman who also had a need. She built a habitation, a place for Elisha, and she received something in her home. She received a son. The son died. Things, things got bad because of the circumstances of life. And what happened, Elijah came back to the home. You can read the whole scripture. I'm just summarizing it so quickly. But under her home, and in her home, it was in a secret place. It was Elijah, the absolute for that woman, who laid hands and that dead boy was resurrected. And you want to take it one step further, go into the next chapter. There was a widow woman who had a, had, had a husband that was a minister under Elijah who passed away. And she had debts and she didn't know how to handle it. And Elijah said, what do you have in your home? He said, I've, all I've got is these, these empty vessels. That's all I've got. And he says, and what else? You have a little bit of oil. Go borrow as many vessels as you can. Bring them in your home. Bring them into this place. And when you bring them there, start pouring. And that's exactly what she did. And the supernatural happened. Where? In a secret place. Friends, that God is on the scene today. You might have a need, but He is here. He is still Jehovah God. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Under the seventh seal, there was a little room. And He said, I will meet you in there. That little room, I believe, is there for every one of us. It's a secret place. Yeah, you can come to church. You can have, and it's tremendous. You can stream. But there really has to be a secret place. You know, it was in 1956 that Brother Branham, who made a promise, this is the character of a man. If the meetings stop paying the bills and they're losing money, I'm coming off the scene. And that's exactly what happened. In the midst of the greatest revival, God called him off and he began to deal with him on a little message and a little topic. Why are people so tossed about? It used to be called the inner veil also. And he begins in that to talk about three rooms. An outer court, an inner court, and then a most holy place. And if you actually take now, I, I, I really should take some of these scriptures, but I, I won't. Because where dwellest thou? You know, it's fitting that it was in 1956, which was America's last call. 
But while America was receiving his last call, God was taking a people into a further chamber. I believe he's taking us closer to him than we've ever been before. This is a time where we need to be serious before him. Not in front of all the people, but before him. In our prayers, be honest, be sincere, stand before him. Say, Lord, I need this in my life. Be honest. I don't know if I've got the Holy Ghost. Just tell him about it. Then just begin to talk to him. You know, it's not just, you know, that I'm superior because I can pray for an hour. Prayer is actually not us changing God's mind, but allowing God to change our minds. Allowing him to begin to put his spirit, allowing him to speak and give us his thoughts. There's a harmony that exists in prayer that you, every one of us needs to have with God directly. Three-room three, three house that they were, America was going into. They, they, they rejected it that, but God was taking a people further. Let me, let me just uh, try and take my thought here in a little different direction. Now, this harmony must exist between God and his people. Brother Mark, I'm going to ask you to put this PowerPoint on. Let me share one other thing. It was Hezekiah. The armies were all around him. It was a time of trouble. And they were coming against him. And he received a letter that the king was going to destroy him. And Hezekiah, you can read this in a couple places in the Bible. And he comes and he brings the letter before God. And he says this, O thou that dwellest between the cherubims, now, if you know the order of the tabernacle, there was an outer court, there was an inner court, and then you came into the holiest, and there was the ark, and in the ark was the word. In, in, in the older part of the testament, there was the manna, the golden pot, and there was Aaron's rod, which budded overnight. And on top of the ark was a table, which is called the mercy seat. And on the mercy seat, there was two cherubims with their wings touching, looking at each other. This was the most sacred place. To everyone, and it wasn't available to everyone back then. The priest could go to it. And, and even Paul, he would write, Now, the cherubims of which we cannot speak in particular now. But I'll tell you what, there's a place that we're coming to that's the very heart of God. And even Hezekiah in his prayer, he says, Lord, thou that dwellest between the cherubims. He didn't want the God of the outer court, he didn't want the God of the inner court. He wanted the God that was God in, in every detail. That's the God I want. I want him. And when he prayed that prayer, God met him. Where did he met him? He met him with that kind of sincerity. He met him at that place. Now, I want to just take this. Now, I took this maybe a couple years back, and I'm going to just pick up part of this. This was what we read last week, Acts chapter 17. God made the world. He's the Lord of heaven and earth. Uh, I, I'm going to try and skip this because our time is slipping by. I'm going to just jump ahead of a couple of these quotes. But I'm, I'm going to the message that Brother Bram spoke on shalom. And really, it, it, was, it was darkness, and yet there was light. Gross darkness, but a light would come upon a people. Now, we, we know that the... 
We know that the sun is the ultimate light, but the moon is a reflector. And, and even in the way God designed the earth, the, the, when the sun goes down, the moon reflects the light in the absence of the sun. And, and the moon has gravitational powers because when, when, the, when, when the oceans and the tides run in so far, it's, it's, Brother Ram would say, the moon rises up, but the counterbalance of the moon, it drives the tides back. Now, if God put that in nature, and, 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 and nature exists, what about us who are a part of his attributes and his redemption? So Brother Branham would talk in the message Shalom, and I, I'm referring to this church age quote about the harmony, but he would talk about a symphony. And the symphony was a, and you all know what a symphony is. You know, it's something I've always desired but never quite qualified for. And, and so they, I've tried many times, but they've never accepted me. I've dressed right. I've done all the right things. And the minute they ask me to sing or play, I can't do anything. So a symphony is, is a gathering of many different components. And, and the symphony is, now, now take what Brother Branham is saying in the message. I'm just saying, a symphony, there's some sheet music. So the sheet music exists, and there's the group of players. There's a sheet music. They all can read it. They can all understand it. But what they need is this guy in the middle called a conductor. And the conductor is the one that brings it all together. And, 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 and he can do all of these things and, and, and just do it. Now, Brother Ram talks about the program of God, how it's a great symphony and how you've got to listen for the beat of the music and the sheet music and you've got to understand these things. I believe even in the message, we need to listen to the conductor showing the sheet music as it goes forward. So this is the sheet music. Now, Brother Adam would talk about it. He says, the composer who knows what it really means, he reveals it to those that are listening. I'll tell you what I sure, so appreciated, Brother Andrew, in the message he spoke last Sunday night on, on the voice of God. I, I'll tell you what, I, I, was, I told him the next day I was singing that song, I Keep Listening for a Different Sound. And, and yeah, I was singing it, and I, I think it was doing pretty good. I, I was there, and I, I can attest to it. So he says, only the composer really knows and he says, and to those who are listening, to those who are interested in knowing what the drama is. Now, now listen to how he says this next words. He says, but you have to know about a sympathy first. Now, that's kind of a strange you know, way of doing it. Because up here, he says, God's symphony only the composer knows what it really means. And then he says, you have to know about a sympathy first. Oh, that's kind of different. He used symphony correctly. And then he goes to sympathy. And he says, it's not just something you see. It's the changing. It's the junctions of the word. It's the music. Now, he'll, he'll go on. To those who aren't interested, it's just a racket and a fuss. He says, but to those who know it and are watching for it, they know it's his coming. I'll tell you, there's an excitement that's been welling up in me about where we're at. Because we're closer than we've ever been before. So he said, these times of symphonies, of the symphony of God's word to the whole things, if you're interested, listen for the change. 
Okay? You know it's getting close. You hear the drums are beating. You know there's a change. Something's going to break out. The way it's all timing. You know, and, and you can hear the echo of the music of the heavenly singing. Now again, he jumps back to this. The sympathy of God's great drama that he's playing. His sympa- sympathy at junctions. The composer and those who are interested, listen to it. And a couple times during the message there, he goes, am I saying that word right, sympathy? No, it's symphony, brother man. Okay, I got it, I got it. And he goes on speaking, and he says, and he says it again, sympathy. Now, I, you, you can say, oh, he wasn't very learned, he wasn't this and this. But actually, you go back into science, and sympathy is actually a scientific principle. Now, let me just jump in this quick, and if you've heard it before, so be it. But there's actually a book that's put out, and it talks about sympathy, a history. So sympathy is derived from the Greek word, which means the state of feeling together. The Latin translation is compassio. Sympathy to English ears is compassion. The feeling of wanting to help someone, or also empathy, entering into someone's feelings. Brother Bannon would say his most successful prayers was when he entered into someone's feelings. When he saw that, that, that blind man standing there, and he said, I looked down, and I thought that was my father. He entered into the compassion, and when he did, his prayer was heard. When he saw a cross-eyed child, and he saw a cross-eyed child, and he looked at it, he remembered his daughter who had died and how she suffered. And he says it always brought about something. So there was a sympathy and entering into. Are you with me? Good, good. Sympathy is often understood as an active principle. Okay, now I don't want to get too, too carried up, so just listen to what I'm saying. It means it's influential. Uh, it's, it's, sympathy is a power that's employed. Okay? It's influential. Normally these powers move from a divine center downward or outward to a particular material. Yet humans can also reach upward to get a hold of them. So stay with me. I'm not trying to be... Sympathy is, dis- is deployed to understand a mysterious or effective bonds within an individual's mind and body. Let me stop for a moment. You know, any of you that are married, you know, after a while, as a husband and a wife, you get to know each other. You know the certain look that she gives. You know the way he acts. You know the way this happens. And you begin to work together in your individual peculiarities as a unit. So after a while, you know, you, you just think something and she says it. Now, how did that happen? There, there had to be a sympathy there. There had to be. You know, that's, that's why when you know, well, you know, she, she wants me to scratch her back or rub her feet or do something, that's when you exit the room before you have to do it. No, 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 that's not true. But... <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, you know, you, you, there's, there's something that begins to work together. And, you know, it's almost uncanny. Now, now that happens in, in a natural level. Now, what about on a spiritual level? As I just said the other day, I'm just praying and I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I've, I've got to call this guy, but let me pray. This need is there. And before I could call, he calls me. How did that happen? Because the Bible says we're moving into the millennium where he says, before they can speak it, I will answer. There's going to be a sympathy between God and his people. There's going to be a harmony that exists there. 
Now, I remember last week, I kind of took a few moments to, to speak on Revelations 14, verse 3. There was 144,000. They, they had the victory over the beast and over all these things. They had a song that could not be learned. In other words, it was inside. The resonance of the beat and the harmony was happening inside of them. And I'll say this, it's the same that it went happen in Revelations 15 and Exodus 15. There was a song that only those that had gone through the situation could truly sing. Now every time there was a victory, there was a song. Or every time they went to battle, there was a song. Something happened in Exodus 15. There was a Red Sea, and it evoked a song. Something ha happened in Revelations 14. There was a victory, and it evoked a song. Something happened in Revelations 5, where something was made real, and it was made so real, they sung a new song. I'll tell you what, when you catch where we're at and who we are, there ought to be a song coming out from us. There ought to be something resonating from us. This is more than just gathering in a church building. I am him. He is me. I am my beloved's and he is mine. Oh, Brother Ed, you're getting too romantic on all of this here right now. You've been self-isolating with your wife too much. Yeah, that's true. It's wonderful. And he says, so, now, let me just say it this way, though. There, there's a harmony that exists there with God and his people. I don't believe I'm just going to heaven to escape hell. I don't believe I'm just going there because I got a correct understanding of Godhead. I don't believe just because I'm a minister. I don't believe. I, I believe it's on a level that's beyond everything. Let me just say it this way. Even your closest mate on earth cannot know the level of what the individual in God has. It is so sacred, and yet it is so real. Now, sympathy. Now, I'm taking this into music a little bit. All you musicians, listen closely. Brother Ed's going to teach you a few things. <laughs> sympathy is the interconnected quality of a nervous system, but it's also the vibration of musical strings as a metaphor, and sometimes more literally. You know, why are you going down this road? Hey, the Song of Solomon is there for a reason. Read it sometimes. Some of you are too embarrassed. Some of you are too much a he-man to read it. And, you know, and, and, but read it. It, it. it speaks of a relationship. Right, you're, you're with me, Good. Now, in antiquity, which is history, musicians observed that the strings of an instrument can, can vibrate without being touched. In other words, if two strings are tuned in unison and we pluck one of them without touching the other one, the other one begins to vibrate. Now, God wants to move on earth, and up there he begins to think the thought, but somebody who's in harmony with the thought begins to sense it and begins to move with it, and there was a prophet on earth that caught those thoughts and moved with those thoughts, and there's a bride that also moves with them. Now, these two strings, this phenomenon is known as sympathetic resonance or sympathetic vibration. Now, it happens like this. There's a string over here, and there's a string over here. You pluck this one, and that one begins to move because there's a connection. There's, there is what they call an affinity between the strings. They're tuned to the same channel, the same frequency, and even though they don't touch, they begin to move. 
Oh, friends, I, I trust you're catching what's going on here because God is moving. My Father worketh, but I work hitherto. The harmony between the Father and the Son must exist between the bride and the groom. Now, tuning forks. So you use a tuning fork. Okay, I had to look this up in Google, so as I'm teaching you, just bear with me, okay? And so <laughs> it resonates... But the next tuning fork can resonate with sympathetic, sympathetic vibrations, not by actually being physically plucked. Now, what happened when Adam was in the Garden of Eden, when he was there, and God brought all the animals to him? And he says, now, Adam, he didn't whisper, and say, this is a coyote. This is a giraffe. He didn't do that. He says, Adam, I'd like you to name the animals. You know what he would do? Adam caught something in a level not seen, and he began to speak it. God is depositing things in us where we're catching the mind of God, and we're able to begin to pray it, speak it, without even using our brain cells. Because we're in tune on a level that the world knows nothing about. Oh, praise God. Now, Sympathetic resonance is a hidden force. So it, it can actually happen, and, and I, 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 I could, it, it's called an affinity. Something can happen in one side of the universe, and it affects something on the other side of the universe. Brother Adam would bring this in the greatest battle ever fought. I'm, I'm going through this quickly because I want to focus in on one part of it. Now, it's sympathy. It, it exists in nature. It does all of these things. Let me go a little further here. Brother Adam would say this, I've often said if there was no Bible, I would look where God was and to watch how nature works. It all works in harmony. The signs are right with the Bible, with the moon, with the sky. Uh, that's why I, I love it when you come to spring because it, it so speaks of, of where we're at in the springtime. We've, we've gone through the nightmare of this world. We're in the springtime of the resurrection. The God that does it out there is doing it in here and I feel it in me. I know that we're going somewhere. He said he's made a solar system. He put the moon. I, I, I won't go through all of this. And, and, and even in Proverbs, Solomon would talk about it. And he says, there's things that are too wonderful that I can't understand. I, I can't put my finger on I can't touch it. I, I don't understand it. The way of an eagle in the air. Like, how does it do that? Like, how do its wings just glide to meet the winds and the storms? It's amazing. But God built that eagle for the storms. He built us for the, where we're living right now. The, I can't understand it. How it keeps, something keeps holding me. I don't understand it. He says, the way of a serpent upon a rock. Now, before you stand and watch that too long, most people would run. Most ladies would be running and, yeek, a serpent on a rock. But Solomon watched this. He says, there's something about the way it moves. There's something about the way it does these things. And then he observed the ship in the sea. You know, there's that ship. It's going up. It's going down. But it, somehow it doesn't. It's, it's amazing. There's some kind of laws at work that I can't understand. There's God doing something in the middle of this. And then he goes to this last one, the way of a man with a maid. You know, when, when, when all of a sudden, you know, one, one lives in there, one lives, and all of a sudden, they begin to move in harmony and begin to s sympathize with each other, and they begin to move in that way. Now here, let's just go this a little further. These words describe attraction, affinity, love. These natural movements. Now, I'm going to bring this down to this. There's a sheet music. This is a sine curve. And, and 
Okay, here, here's the real instruction for all of you. Harmony is when you have multiple pitches being played at the same time. When we talk about harmony, we're talking about chords, and they, which occur any time you have three or more notes played at the same time. Brother Ed, you don't even know what you're talking about. That's true, but I'm reading what's here. So he says, that's exactly what it is. Now, rhythm is the arrangement of sounds as they move through time. The term rhythm it takes a pattern of sounds. It's called, now, the time pattern is called harmonic rhythm. Now, these applications usually happen in instruments. I was listening to Invisible Union yesterday, and Brother Branham would talk, and he, and he used these words, and it so struck me. He said, Satan, that great instrument of hell. So Satan is actually a product of something God had reserved, and he's there for a season. Just like, you know, we can be an instrument or a tool for God, but, but Satan is also a tool. So God uses that tool. So all of this came in the time, and this is in the 1500s, when there was this great outpouring of the arts, the age of man, and you know, that's also in harmony with God. But there was a, a, an instrument with sympathetic, sympathetic strings called the viola de amor. You want to know what that means? The vial of love. Okay? He says, it was devised, now, that there was some strings up top, and there was a group of strings below, and when the upper strings were plucked, the lower strings would resonate. And the lower strings would, and they worked with sympathy. So when God says, I'm going to do something, down here it begins to harmonize. We begin to move together with that. I believe God's bringing us into harmony with him. Now, now look at it. He says, the viola de more had six or seven strings. And he said, an equal number below. And now listen to how, how it's said. The main strings are played, but the resonating strings prolong the sound's decay time producing a silvery and soft halo. I, I believe God takes great pleasure. The prophet's taken off the earth. His, you know, that, that, that voice is on magnetic tape. It wasn't meant to be left on magnetic tape. It was meant to come into us to resonate that same sound over time. It still keeps reverberating. It still keeps doing something. It filters from my church life to my family life to my job and to school. It filters. It keeps resonating. That's what it does. This is the instrument. So we see it here. There's, uh, let me go better here. So there's these top strings. Beneath is another set of strings. So you pluck the top strings, but the bottom ones resonate. So this is the viola de more. They talked about it. He says, Mozart said, the instrument was especially lovely in the stillness of the evening. Now, I, 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 I think if God inspired or put that talent in somebody. What about where we're at in the evening time? There is, there is a unseen force that works even now. He says this viola de amor accompanies the wordless voices of an invisible course as to invoke a resonance between souls at an incommensurable distance. So it can happen while we're apart. It can happen while God is seemingly afar off and we're here. It actually begins to beat together. Let me, let me stop there. We all can take the story of Esther. And I'm winding my thoughts down here. We won't keep you much longer. So Esther, the, the, the rule 
in the land was nobody could approach the king without being called. And if you did, it was punishable by death, except if the king held out his scepter and the person touched it. Now, Esther was under the threat of Haman, which is a type of the devil. Esther had no other resource. Haman was going to kill her, kill her people, and Esther had to work through the same challenges that you and I have to work through. Oh God, help us in this time. Look at what the world's going through. It's not just for the world. It's coming against the bride. It's working towards the bride. Lord, it's affecting me. Like it affected Elijah. Like it affected others. It's affecting us. And and Esther had to battle through that. And she had to recognize Haman. He said, oh, Haman, he's the king's right-hand man. He's in power. Listen, the governments of this world, they exist there. But the ultimate power is of God. We we submit ourselves as Esther did. But there had to come a time when when it, it came upon her in such a way that she had to act. Now Esther could have just said, you know what, that's the rules of the land. You know, that's all I can do. Uh, listen, I, I'm, just saying, I'm saying this. We're here being transparent. We're here doing everything we can do. But I think we also have an obligation to say, Lord, you can change things as we need for what's ahead for us. At the pool of Bethesda, the, the man who was there, he thought you had to jump into a pool to get the healing. But the healer was right there. God can supply for us right now. And, and, and God can take the government's thoughts about carrying this through. God can change that. Or God can raise up a standard in some other way. And I think we need to be praying. And we need to be saying, Lord, lead, direct. There's a powers and forces, but there's a greater force. It's in your people. Esther had to get beyond the fear of Haman. Well, what's Haman going to do? And, and, and the king is, and Esther, at the end, and this, is, this will be another service, the same way that Adam took Eve when she fell, he went in knowing he would die. But love drove him. And Esther, the queen, the part of him, now, now, the queen goes in knowing she could die because she said, if I perish, I perish. But this is too great. She was motivated by love. So she comes into the king's court. She dressed. I was actually reading Josephus' account of this. And Esther was dressed in her kingly garments. And and she came, and, and as she came, she's coming before the king. And the king's dressed, and he's very imposing because he's got all the people around him. And, and she's very intimidated. And she says, Esther almost felt weak at her knees. And jo- Josephus is writing the account that the historians had put forth in this. And he, and he says, and the king is looking at her. And when he sees her almost collapse, then the king's heart immediately goes to her. Now, you talk about a resonance. You talk about a sympathy that existed. 
It's a sympathy Haman knew nothing about. It's a sympathy that nobody in the court knew about. But Esther, who had found favor with the king, not because of outward beauty, but something deeper inside, her character, her everything, that so struck the heart of the king that he looked with compassion, with sympathy. No, she will not die. And he had held out his scepter to her. And, 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 and the Bible says, and Esther touched the scepter, but Josephus goes up a step further. He said she collapsed and, and, and couldn't quite make it, and the king came and put her hand on the scepter. Now, I don't know if that's all that way, but I'm just saying, there's an account here that we are entering into, friends, where, where we've got to be able to have the love of God in our heart. We've got to be able to recognize, Lord... And, and he's waiting on us sometimes. He's waiting on us to call him. And I think what we need to do is to enter into a relationship like never before. We need to enter into a harmony with him in our prayer life and in our daily walk and whatever we do. That's the harmony that has to exist because there'll come a time when God's gonna, gonna say, you know, it, it's not your, my light has risen on you. And, and that light is on me. And that light is beginning to speak. And I believe that we're coming into that time when, when that sympathy is just beating. And, and oh God, it's, it's just about going home time. Listen, let's have the musicians come. We're going to just change the order a little bit. I want to encourage you. Friends, put yourself into a relationship with the king. Find, you know, you might say, well, my mom and dad. No, you, you be the 12-year-old boy that Jesus was. You be the young child. You, you be the young person that's not swayed by everything out there and here. But I, I'm marching to a different sound. I, I, there, there's a different something beating within me. Oh, it, it's driving me closer to him. It's causing me to dig in the word. It's causing me to, to just seek him out. You know, just listening to Invisible Union yesterday, oh, it was so wonderful. And, 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 and just, just hearing God's voice. And, he, and Brother Bram would say, they can't hear God's voice, but you can. God's placed something in you. Brother Marion, if you would come. I, I just want to, let's just maybe sing a chorus song or two and just allow the Holy Spirit, and then we'll just have a word of prayer in a bit. But I, I, I believe God's desiring to bring us in a little further, a little bit closer to Him. Amen. Something keeps holding me. Something keeps holding me. Something keeps holding me. Faithfully to all. 
nothing keeps holding me. I can't explain it and put it into words sometimes. I bend down to my knees and go into prayer. And I, I may be troubled and burdened, but somewhere something happens. And I come up from there and somehow there's a new hope. Sometimes I'll just put on a tape and that sound comes forth and something just begins to speak. Oh, friends, sometimes it's just somebody sending you a whisper of encouragement, somebody doing this. Sometimes it's just a little thing only God can put together and it lets you know He knows where I'm at. He knows where we're at. I'm going to say, He knows where you're at this morning. I'd say, let that reality strike us. Brother Bram said, is it, a, is it a myth recognizing your day? Is it just a, a, or is it becoming more real? I believe it's more real, friends. This is not about just do's and don'ts and all of that. This is, this is operating on a level of sympathy, of love. I, I think if we can, that's a channel that, that God can really work through. And we wanted to follow in that channel. When Esther hit that channel, the king said to her, he said, Esther, you're not like all the rest of the court and the laws of the land. You're in a special place. You've got my heart. You've given yourself to me. You're, you're in an invisible union. And I'll tell you what, the heart of the king was for the queen. And it's still that way today. There's a mystic resonance that nobody knew anything about. The court may have looked, what's happening here? Nobody knew, but they knew. Let's just sing such a beautiful song, and I feel like I just, it was on my heart here as we were coming, but let's sing, Here is Love, Vast as the Ocean. We're going to sing this, and then we're going to close in prayer, and Brother Marion, you can still sing whatever you want after that, but Let's just think about this for a minute. The way of a man with a maid. The way of Christ with the church. The bride and the bridegroom. Oh, it's a different sound. But it's all motivated by love. Let's just sing this. Here is love, vast as the ocean. Loving kindness as the flood. Yeah. 